How does having kids change your marriage? This is a loaded, loaded topic. It is not just a regular loaded topic. It is one loaded with a 20-cage caliber shotgun shell and a sawed-off barrel. This is something that can take people's heads off. And as a proud father of four, uh, I have a few things to say about the dynamic of a marriage once kids enter the picture. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. You know, I remember being in my early 20s, maybe even as young as 18, I was always wired, I think, to have kids and think of myself as a family man. I was a serial monogamist. I I wasn't comfortable casually dating. I had, and I still have, the very good fortune of having a really tight family that I grew up in. I have three brothers and two really wonderful parents. And to me, the family was the center of my house growing up. We would have dinners together. There was just enough freedom to feel like you were never shackled to the family. And yet there was an amazingly healthy bond and attachment to the family where we knew someone always had our back. And as much as I fought with my brothers, specifically my older brother, because we were closest in age, we were only two years apart. And so we fought all the time because we were essentially peers. Even though we fought, even at the height of our anger and aggression towards each other, if we were on a field trip or at a friend's house or somewhere, you know, out and about, uh, I knew he had my back and he, he took it upon him to always look out and take care of me. And so there was something very deeply seated in me that family is just an incredible asset if you can learn to leverage it. And I also was made aware very early of how family could not be that way. There were family members we didn't talk to anymore in my house, uh, extended family members. There were You know, whenever there was a wedding or a big family event, like a bar mitzvah, there were suddenly 300 people. And I'm like, how come we don't see most of these people? And it's like, oh, those are the family that we're not super close with. So I saw the kind of varying degrees, the gradients of uh, the ability of what family can and can't be, or, you know, what you can choose and work on it to be and what it can, you know, sadly, uh, sadly succumb to in terms of being this big void in your life. So I was wired to have kids personally. I definitely wanted them. But what was interesting, and this is where I was going with this from the start, as soon, as soon as I was a parent and I was able to take my kid, my first kid, to the park my attraction to other people's children completely disappeared. 
I, <laughs> I, you have to understand, I was a magician for many years. I did kids' parties. I was an uncle before I was a parent. I was around kids, and I loved kids. I flirted with the idea of going into education. I worked at Sunday schools with specialized kids. I thought I was just a guy who loved kids. Turns out, as soon as I had one of my own, I didn't really want anything to do with other kids. <laughs> I just wanted to focus on mine. Um, not that I don't like children, but that I, I really had a strong pull towards children. And it just evaporated instantly. And it and I remember very specifically this one time in a park where a kid came up to me and we were playing in the sand. And he's like, hey, you want to play? And the first thought in my head used to be, right, it, it would have been, oh, of course, what a, a nice child who wants to play. Great. Let's play. And how lucky you are that I'm a nice guy and not a weirdo. You know, <laughs> I was like, and where's your dad? You know, but instead, this time I was like, I don't want to play with you. I'm playing with my own kid. Where's your father? Where's your mother? And and obviously, you know, you can't say that to a four-year-old. So I kind of said, oh, you know, we're playing with our new toys. Are your Is your dad or mom around? <laughs> and it, it was just like a switch. Like, I don't want anything to do with other. It's too much. And it's just I didn't have the energy. And that's the first way that having kids changes your marriage. It sucks the energy out from under you in a way that you cannot prepare for. I've known Marines who, who have gone through some rigorous training in their day. And even they'll tell you, the the amount of energy that a kid, a newborn, can suck out of you is pretty incredible, um, because it's there's no throwing in the towel, right? There's no leaning on someone else. There's some times where your partner is spent and it is all on you, and there's nobody to turn to because there's a, ain't nobody you calling at two two in the morning to get a babysitter in there. It ain't happening. So it's you with your tired eyes woken up from the deepest of deep sleeps to take care of this leech that wants to eat all the time. And thank God they're cute. Otherwise, they'd never make it. Uh, and they are. Babies are super cute. So how does it change your marriage? That's the real question. Because there's a lot of couples who really struggle with finding themselves and finding that relationship after they have kids. You know, it's, it's interesting. I work with individuals and I work with couples. And sometimes someone I'm working with one-on-one -on -one wants to bring in their partner after a while because uh, they think it'll be helpful. And the question is, well, you know, you're his therapist or you're her therapist. How do I know? And the funny thing is, is <laughs> when I'm meeting with someone one-on-one, -on -one, I'm their coach. When I'm meeting with a couple, my client is the relationship, not either party. And your relationship has an identity. It, it's a living, breathing thing. It has its ups. It has its downs. And a child has a real toll or children in general have a real toll on that entity that exists between you two. The space between you two, that relationship takes a massive hit. It takes a hit on your sex life. It takes a hit on your financial life. And it definitely takes a, a hit on your sleep. But there's some things that kids bring to a relationship 
that are literally irreplaceable. So before I go on bashing kids and having kids and how hard it is, you should know that there were probably times in my relationship with my wife where I don't even know if we would have stayed together if we didn't create a family. I can't say that we would have got divorced because it would have been a completely different relationship altogether. We would have much more freedom and flexibility. So maybe we would have had a, a different relationship that was great. But there were times where the idea and the commitment to family was that last thread that kept us together when we were you know, arguing about something. And I might be exaggerating or being a little over-emotional, but it's, you know, when when I do get into a fight, I'm the kind of guy that obsesses, like, why are we fighting? Is this the end? I mean, I still have that mentality, and it's taken years to learn that, no, it's just a fight. You get through them, like every other fight that you've had with anybody pretty much your entire life. So how does it have an impact on you and what are some practical ways for those of you who are listening who don't have kids you should know one your sleep is going to go down the tubes at least for a few months and you have to you have to know that some people are not the same when they don't get enough sleep period i mean sleep deprivation is a form of torture we, we use it in this government as a nonviolent form of torture for terrorists. It is incredibly effective. And if you are the one who has the night shift, you're going to have some issues. I highly recommend sleep training because that can shorten the window of time to where your kids wake you up. But that first leg of infancy where they where they just need to eat all the time and they need to change and that you know there's possibility of them being colic or having god forbid having a, a, an issue like rsv we had a child who you know had to breathe through a nebulizer every night it was it's it takes a toll and you have to know what kind of sleep patterns you and your partner have i can survive especially when I was in my 20s, I could kind of make it through the day with four to five hours of sleep not without too much problems. My wife is not the same way. You know, you, you'll know if you have the kind of partner that goes to bed at a specific time every night because that's when they get tired and they wake up at a certain time every morning because that's their routine, prepare for hell because the baby doesn't care and they will change that and you need to just Put it on your calendar that the next two to six months until the baby sleeps through the night are going to be difficult, but there's an end in sight. So that's kind of the first thing you have to know about having a kid is that the, the sleep deprivation is huge. It, it, it changes your diet. It changes your mood. It changes your cognitive ability to concentrate. You, I mean, you're going to have a much foggier brain. So it has a huge toll. No, there's an end in sight. You just kind of have to get through it. I'm not a big advocate for night nurses, wet nurses, or night nurses. Uh, I think that part of being a parent is struggling. I think that's kind of the nature of being a parent. I think kids are put on this planet to teach us how to cope with difficult situations. It's an incredibly important lesson. In addition to understanding the true nature of love, I think that's why, you know, I think... I do believe in God. I'm, I'm a pretty religious guy. I think children exist to teach you what it's like 
to love something that really can't love you back um, so that you learn what the nature of love is, not only for your romantic relationships, because that's the way God works. God loves you in a way you can't love him back. You don't understand what the heck's going up on in heaven. It doesn't make any sense, but you know, to the, 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 the kind of window, the, the curtain he peels back for us is by allowing us to have kids and realizing, oh, it, maybe this is how God feels, where it's like this uncontrollable affection you have for something that is just pooping on you constantly and you, you don't care. You don't, I mean, you know, you clean it up, you move on and you feed it and you give it a hug and a kiss and that's it. The problem with having kids after you get through that initial phase of sleep deprivation gets much more complex. There's a Yiddish expression... Uh, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to try it in Yiddish. But it's little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems. My oldest is 11. And I already see that the problems are getting more complicated. They're getting less frequent, but they're getting more complicated when your son or daughter doesn't want to study. When they develop a tendency for laziness or an addiction towards devices, electronic devices, social detachment or dangerous behavior, or if they have food issues, I mean, it it becomes a much more serious problem as the kids get older. And so a lot of your relationship as a couple will, and I promise you, if you have a healthy family, it will become solving the problems of your children. So when you get married, you have to learn how to solve problems together as a unified force. So one of the things that kids do is force people in a relationship to realize if they can work together as a team or not. My wife and I, thank God, are very much a team when it comes to the kids. You can have a relationship where one partner, classically the woman in the relationship, just kind of handles everything for the kids. The schooling, the lunches, the social groups, setting up play dates. My wife does, I'd say, 80-90% of it. But when it comes to how the kids are handled at home and big decisions... You know, do we let them go have a sleepover at a certain age? What age do they get a phone? All those kinds of big decisions. You know, what school is best for the kids? Are you a unified front? The worst thing you could do for your kids and for your own marriage is contradict each other when the kids ask you for something. If one kid goes and and and, and, and you're, I promise you, kids are smart enough to try it. Every single kid does it. They'll ask you something. And if the parent is busy, the classic answer is go ask your mother or go ask your father. They don't want to deal with it. Or if they say no, guess what? They're going to ask the other parent anyway. And so when they ask, your response should always be, have you asked mom or have you asked dad? Have you asked? Because you want to know, hey, is there already an answer on the table? And if I'm contradicting it, that's just teaching the kid two things. One. A no isn't a no, which is a very, very bad signal to send to your children. And then the second thing it's teaching them is, I can pit my parents against each other. And you cannot let that happen. If your kids 
can see that the way they get what they want is by causing you to contradict your partner, they are going to rely on that. Kids will rely on whatever technique they can to get the answers they want. And if their MO is to cause contradiction between you, guess what? You're in a world of hurt because they'll just keep flinging that same trick at you again and again, and it's going to rip you and your partner apart. So there has to be a hard line in your relationship with kids where you don't let them cause the separation by their malicious intent to get you to contradict each other. And the way you do it is by having open conversations with your spouse about what it's like to be a unified team. There is no, well, your mom said this, but I don't believe in that. You can't do that. Those are conversations you have behind closed doors. And when you do accomplish that, here's the good news. When you do get to the point where you are a unified team, man, does that help your relationship get to a new level. When you guys have agreements on parenting, you know how discipline works. If you're the kind of parents who say, because I said so, or if you're the kind of parents who never say, because I said so. Once you know the identity of your parenting style and you're on the same page with your spouse, it's incredibly empowering. And when you finally do go out and have a date with your spouse, you don't have to fill them in because you're in alignment and you get to have that time back with your partner. Now, will you be talking about your kids on the date? Yeah, let's be realistic. I mean, your kids kind of become your life at a certain point. Talking about the kids to me is a great thing because as you get older, the more you realize you're on this earth for such a limited time and you kind of become who you are and you know, you can make changes in your life, but you kind of know who you are. You, you, you kind of know if you're going to be a billionaire by the time you're 30 or 40. You kind of know where you're going to settle in life on the social ladder. There's always the outlier. But generally speaking, your life kind of doesn't take big swinging directions short of death, divorce, huge career shifts, winning the lottery, war. I mean – there's not that much that really rocks it. It's it's for most people you kind of you kind of know where you're headed. And so the idea of having these big dreams and big goals and stuff, if you have them, you've had them for a while and maybe you're working towards them, but your kids, you know, for them learning how to tie their shoes is this huge victory or getting them to eat something that they didn't like before. Like if you got a kid who never eats fish and you got them to, to eat a fish stick, that's a huge victory. Or when they're really struggling with something and you need to like think about how do we get them to read better or what can we do for their social issues. Those are, those are things that are exciting to work on with your partner. Having kids gives you something to talk about constantly. It's like another opportunity to bond. The problem is if you make the only thing you talk about your kids, that can be a little dangerous. You have to increase the intimacy in your relationship outside of your children. One thing I do for couples in my, in my private practice is remind them you should have open-ended questions that you ask each other once every few months, once a year 
You know, when you get married, you have to think of yourself as becoming a student of who the other person is. Having kids changes you. So whoever you married, as soon as kids come through the door, they're a different person within months. And if you're not willing to learn what the new values are, what the new struggles are in your partner's life, you're missing out. You're out to lunch. There's no way. There's no way you can have a relationship. So when you go out and you have a date, ask, hey, how have your values changed? I'll give you a few more questions. Do you have new goals? You know, how has your vision of your career changed since we've had kids? And this is a question you should ask like once a year. Because my vision of my career changes all the time. What I want changes all the time. There are some things that, you know, it kind of stays close. But if you don't have the ability to have those kind of open communication sessions during a date or, you know, with a pillow talk with your partner, the kids are going... <laughs> the kids are going to be able to make time just disappear because there's so much to do. There's papers to fill out. There's doctor's appointment. There's school. There's setting up play dates. There's after-school activities and sports. It's like running a nonprofit that you never get paid to help with. It's, it's you know, without the love and affection there, it's the worst job in the world. Ironically, the love and affection makes it the best job in the world. So... <laughs> So that's, that shows you how important that part is. But it's very tempting to just feel like I put in a full day at work. I just dealt with the kids. I just changed a poopy diaper. I got dirty. The house smells. It's a mess. There's two, I'm just going to go to sleep. And I'm not going to give my partner five or ten minutes. And the truth is, if you have five or ten minutes to change a poopy diaper... Dig deep down in yourself to spend those five minutes with your partner as well. You have to make that a priority because the kids are going to move out one day. And if you don't make your relationship with your partner a priority, you will need to rebuild that relationship when the kids are gone. I've dealt with couples where they're empty nesters and they are in shock at some of the habits their partners developed, at their lack of direction. There's depression that often sets in with empty nesters. And if you don't understand how to soothe your partner and you don't understand what they really need to get through the day and you can't have these difficult conversations, you're going to have a really rough road. And you know what? It's even harder because you don't have the kids to distract you at that point. So learning to make time and really be diligent about date nights, really be diligent about making those sacred, having time. You know, I, I always tell people, you need to learn how to say goodbye in the morning. You need to learn how to say hello when you walk through the door after a day at work or whatever you do with your time. And you need to be able to have a debrief a 10, 20-minute debrief at some point without the kids interrupting. If you have those three components in your life plus a date night, that will solve just the fact that you're having that time, right? And not a quick hello or goodbye, 
really like a, an intimate, like have a great day from the heart. If you can do those three things and have one date night a week, you might not ever need a therapist or a coach or a counselor. The, the commitment to the consistency to build your relationship is the biggest and most important decision you can have when you have kids. You have to sit there and say, listen, I, yes, this family is going to be the center of our universe. Yes, the kids need our attention. But I don't want to lose sight of who you are and who I am and the love that we have for each other. And when we're elbow deep in dirty diapers and tuition costs and spit up cloths, and not understanding what the hell happened to the seventh remote control I bought for the TV and why the batteries are missing, I want to still be able to come to you at night and hug you and say, I love you. How was your day? The kids are asleep. Let's take some time to reconnect. If you're struggling in your relationship or you feel like you need a little bit of hand-holding to understand how to go from having a bad or even a so-so relationship to the one of your dreams, then I would love to speak with you. Head over to my website, mrspirituality.com. That's mrspirituality.com. And you'll find a big button there or a phone number. Just click or call and let's set up a free 20-minute consultation with you where you could speak to me or someone from our team one-on-one just you and us for 20 minutes where we can kind of guide you and show you how we can transform you into a relationship expert yourself. Again, it's a completely free consultation. Just head over to mrspirituality.com. Again, that's mrspirituality.com and click or call and we'll set something up for you right away.